Wired, episode number 17. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. Whether you have ADHD and you want to learn more about it, or you are looking for ways to organize your time, your things, or the many details of life so you can get more done, this show is for you. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But before we do, this is the last chance for me to remind you about this. One of the best things that I do to manage my ADHD is I attend conferences. I go and I learn new strategies that help me and my clients, but I keep going back for the community. Please join me in Orlando, July 24th through the 27th for the ADA Conference, the only ADHD conference focused on adults with ADHD. Register at ADA.ADHDrewired.com. That's ADDA.ADHDrewired.com. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am glad that you are joining me for another episode. Before we get started with today's show and interview with Dr. Ari Tuckman, I wanted to take a few moments to thank you for leaving your reviews on iTunes because it continues to help people find this show. Something I haven't done in a while and I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read a few reviews that have been left on iTunes because I so greatly appreciate it. The first review I'm going to read comes from Defeat the Drama. And Defeat the Drama says, great information. It's obvious you know your stuff. Great specific strategies to help anyone overcome a lack of focus. Thanks. JKennedy93 says, ADHD does not stop after school ends. As an adult parent of an adult ADHD son, I realize that there is still a lot to know and understand about ADHD. Thanks for the insights and education, Eric. And thanks for that. Daddy Clint says, Very helpful. As a teacher, this podcast has allowed me to understand the students that I have that have ADHD. It's also helpful to help me control and live with my ADHD as well. And the last one that I'll read is by Run Dr. Dave. He says, fantastic if you want to be the best you can be. I am actually the host of a lifestyle and improvement podcast, so I think I know this subject pretty well. I am amazed at how good this show actually is. Yes, I am hooked. Well, thank you guys for those reviews. I so do greatly appreciate them. And if you haven't left a review yet, uh, go on to iTunes or Stitcher and please leave a review because it truly is a way you can help the show out because it helps other people find this show. The way iTunes kind of ratings systems work, it all has to do with how many people click that subscribe button and how many people leave reviews. 
So this past week, I hit the 100 review uh, milestone, which is just, it floors me because um, that's, that's pretty good for a show this specific. So I appreciate hearing from you guys. I continue to get emails from you guys. And I've gotten a lot of emails in response to last week's episode and a lot more personal stories. So as this show continues to evolve, you know, I probably will share more stories like I did uh, share last week's short story with James. So let me know, continue to let me know what you guys think. And let's get started with today's episode. All right, I am here with my friend, my guest, and psychologist, ADHD expert, podcaster, author, speaker, Ari Tuckman. Ari, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, and I'm very glad to be here. I remember, well, one, I think I've listened to all of your podcasts, um, and I remember, I think it was last year at the ADA conference, um, he's either at it or Chad. And I said to you, hey, I have this idea. Um, what about doing a podcast together? And you, your response to me was, was kind of a, okay, uh, give me a, you know, send me an email about your ideas in a few weeks. And then I think a few months later, I sent you an email. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was wondering at that time, is like, I, is this just one of those, you know, ADHD big ideas that, that has, as far as how you were perceiving it? And because um, uh, I, what I wanted to really do is I, you know, I really appreciate how um, and your podcast and, and your books, how you lay things out in a very down to earth way. Um, you know, we we are both um, kind of big, uh, kind of mutual uh, have mutual admiration for Russell Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he's a, you know, he presents things in a very kind of scientific way. Right. And you present things in a very, you know, this just kind of makes sense. You, you, you leave out a lot of the, the clinical jargon that I think tends to just, you know, confuse a lot of people. Um, so I really appreciate kind of how you present information. You know, I mean, the thing is, Barkley is a researcher and he's a brilliant scientist and he's done some phenomenal things for the field of ADHD. But, you know, I'm a clinician. I sit in my office all day and I talk to people. So, you know, I have a bit of a different interest than he does. And I sort of see my place in the world in some ways as being the person who takes some of that heavy-duty science stuff and translates it down a few levels so that other clinicians can use it with the next client they see or so that, you know, adults or parents or kids, whatever, can take this information and really kind of apply it into their life. Because the research is really important, but it's sometimes hard to kind of apply it, know how this study translates directly into your actual daily life activities. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I see my place in the world as, is being that translator for that important information. And, and I think, you know, both your, your book and podcast by the same name, uh, more attention, less deficit. I think this was a really, really nice job with that. Now I was looking on uh, your website and I know that, that the amount of downloads you've had on your podcast is, is pretty impressive. Um, and the, the, what you have on your website says, um, one and a half million downloads. Right. Now, I wanted to kind of call you to task on that, because if we think about ADHD and your listenership, I'm wondering how many of those downloads were the same person downloading it 
two, three, or four times because they forgot they downloaded it. <laughs> or they or they lost their device. So, you know, just I, I want to maybe take that and I'll take my own kind of stats with that same grain of salt or the same kind of caution. Just to wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I thought where you were going to go with that was that that's downloads. That doesn't mean listen, right? Because just because it's sitting on someone's computer or iPhone doesn't mean anyone actually listened to it. So, um, so yeah, that that is true. <laughs> You've had 300 <laughs> listens. and <Right>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's kind of like book sales. You know, people buy them, but that doesn't mean they get read. It just means they sit on a shelf somewhere. Oh, and especially with ADHD, we, we, it's one of those, like, you know, you have ADHD if kind of right. statements. If you have a right. whole bookshelf of ADHD books and you haven't read a single one of them. Oh, right. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, also, I know that we, I do have some clinicians that also uh, listen to this podcast. And uh, so I just want to also mention your book, uh, Integrative Treatments for Adult ADHD. Did I get the name right? You did. Okay. And then you also have a new workbook out as well. Um, well I guess it came out a year or so ago. It's actually been a few years now. It just feels like a year. <laughs> <laughs> or or a hundred years, it feels like some days. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, understand your brain get more done so let me ask you this so besides from you know we you know one way that we earn a living is through things like you know for for you writing books why did you feel the need to write that book well that book was kind of the idea of it it's it's a workbook that teaches the reader about executive functions and how they relate to ADHD. It offers strategies of my own that I'm kind of suggesting. But then the workbook part of it is that, you know, it's really, it's, you're supposed to work it. Like, you know, it's sort of similar to what I do in my office sometimes, and probably what you do in your office, uh, that it, walks readers through different sorts of things of, you know, what strategies have you used in the past? What has worked well? What hasn't worked well? Here are some ideas for me in terms of strategies. What are ideas of your own that you've already come up with or gotten from somewhere else? And helps readers kind of apply those ideas into their life. And the idea of the workbook is that, you know, it's kind of like we just talked a few minutes ago about translating, you know, science into practical ideas. I think the same thing can happen with otherwise pretty user-friendly books is that information on the page doesn't directly translate into doing something in your life. And that was the whole idea of the workbook is that it helps the reader kind of walk through the steps to actually apply those ideas into their life. So really, it's not just kind of interesting reading, but it actually does something with their life. Okay, so translating intention into action. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's that's great. And, and how's the response been to it? The response has been really good. You know, people really kind of they like the practical strategies in there. They like the way that, you know, these potentially complicated, difficult to understand concepts are presented in a very user friendly kind of way. So. Um, so, yeah, actually, the, the the next book that I'm not working on because I'm taking time to do things like this um, and to sometimes have a life um, is it's another workbook and I'm tentatively calling it um, the ADHD self-esteem workbook. So rather than being about kind of strategies and getting things done, it's more about kind of the psychology of ADHD and mindset and how do you see yourself and how you relate to other people and what do you do in the face of challenges. So it's like all that good stuff is kind of the other side of the coin. You know, executive functions and strategies is the, you know, what to do to get things done. 
then the self-esteem and mindset is how do you get it done? Like, do you actually kind of like get up and going? Do you get back up when you're knocked down? Um, all of that kind of the psychology side of it. So, um, so I think they're a great pair. I just need to actually find some time. Maybe the summer is going to be the time to, you know, really just get that book rolling here. Well, great. We'll, we'll definitely be looking for that. I, I, I think the, the the notion of self-esteem, you know, I always find it interesting when, you know, my, my background was I was trained as a school social worker. Um, and after a, uh, a one semester um, in, in grad school, I got, I got uh, fired from an internship um, mm-hmm. for kind of sort of somewhere between the balance of not reading the school politics correctly and the other side of being basically the, the brunt of a um, uh, kind of a assistant principal who wanted to let me know how powerful he was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in between that and then getting that second internship, realizing that, you know, this was in a really good school, very progressive, but it, it helped me realize that, that that's not where um, I want to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, I have no idea where I was just going with this train of thought. <laughs> Self esteem. Self esteem. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and I still don't know. Uh, Self esteem. Oh, yes. Thank you. I got it. All right. Yeah. Back on track. So I see these groups. People want to start for about self esteem. And you don't do groups or work on self esteem. Self esteem comes from success. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it comes from seeing the success, it comes from getting knocked down, getting back up. And seeing, oh, I did that. That's that's where I find that self-esteem uh, comes from. Right. Yeah, so. it does. As well as, you know, in the other half of it is kind of accepting the things about yourself or these things about your life or situation that are not the way that you want them to be. So, right. you know, accepting doesn't mean like, yay, I have a broken leg, but it means, um, you know, that sucks and my leg is broken, which it's not. This is hypothetical. Um, You know, that sucks and my leg is broken, but although I can't do some things in my life, there are other things I can do. So of the options available to me, what am I actually doing here? So, you know, if you have ADHD, then that acceptance piece, I think is really important. I mean, it's important for everybody, but you know, I think it's certainly important for folks with ADHD. So it's that it's not trying to be something you're not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think just to take your story here as a perfect example, you know, one of the things that you realized was that, that kind of a school environment is not the place that you're going to be most effective and it's not the place you're going to be the happiest. Right. So, you know, you could try to cram yourself into it, but you know, it's like, God, how many people do I talk to who are stay in these terrible situations mm-hmm. rather than change it? So you made right. a smarter it's that, move. It's that fear of, of taking those risks, but I, I yeah. think, I think it's riskier to stay in a situation that you're miserable in. It is. It is. Because if it ain't better yet, it's not going to get better. Like there comes a point where you need to sort of, you know, take that deep breath and make the jump. No, I I love the, the kind of the entrepreneurial journey. I, I just it's, it's exciting because there's always kind of something new that can get your, your attention and get you focused. You know, when I started my practice, and I, I think you know this, that I started, I started it when I was laid off from my job, which was the same week that I got laid off or that I closed on my home uh, with my wife. So I had a mortgage and no job all in the same week. Nice. <laughs> nice. And, you know, so I, I always knew that I wanted to start my own practice. I, I was recently licensed. Um, and so I just took that opportunity to, to go with it. And I haven't looked back since. Um, and, you know, I, I'm so glad, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that it, it kind of worked out the way that it did. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As someone in private practice, also, it can be, if you're the right person for it, it can mm-hmm. be a really wonderful experience. Yes. Yes. And, you know, like things like paperwork, I'm, I, you know, I hate it. Um, you know, I, I outsource my billing. Um, but even like the task of, so here's what my billing uh, process involves. I have to make a note on my calendar of how long I saw a client and, and the, you know, the, the kind of billing code because I don't take insurance. And then I have to just email a copy of that uh, to my, my biller. Mm-hmm. I put that off. It takes me yeah. about three minutes to do. <laughs> and I even put that off. Right. So I'm trying to figure out a way to, to have my biller just have like full access to my calendar so I don't have to actually do anything with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, to me, that's the type of, of strategies that really make a difference in, in the ADHD life. Because it's, you know, it's when you look at that, that shoddy thinking that, oh, I should just be able to yeah. do that. Well, it's like, yeah, it, to reframe it, it would be nice to do that. But mm-hmm. so um, that kind of makes me think about I've read a few things that you've written and heard you use this, the a four letter word a few times. I don't know if you know what four letter word I'm talking about. Hmm. It's the word uh, just. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I look at the word just as a four-letter word because of its minimizing uh, uh, impact that it has on the, the challenges that people with ADHD have. Right. So where do you find that, that kind of balance of, you know, avoiding that word just because we know the, the whole notion of the, the just do it part of our brain, you know, it doesn't really work very well. Right. So w- when when is it okay to have that justification? I think it, you know, I, well, I think it's a great point because I think just is one of those, it's a little word that slips by unnoticed mm-hmm. and, and yet its impact is not unnoticed. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the problem with just is, and this gets into the kind of psychology side of it, is I should just be able to do this. In, and then perhaps unspoken or not is, so what the hell is wrong with me that I'm not doing it? You know, I should just clean the house. I should just email my biller. I should just whatever. It, it minimizes the this effort that seems like it should be involved in it. And therefore, if you're falling short of this relatively simple thing, there's obviously something wrong with you because how else do you interpret that? So... Um, so, yeah, I think that it's important to notice the just in those, you know, self-statements or mm-hmm. that the statements that other people make to you. Um, but I think that you can you can use just as a way to kind of get over that hump if you can use it in a very kind of conscious way of saying, like, you know what, I just need to get started on this. It's not a big deal. I can do it. So Here you're saying go. it's kind of the acknowledgement of, okay, I don't like this thing that I have to do, but I know I need to do it. Yeah. Okay. And to also kind of talk yourself down from it. Because I think that sometimes when we procrastinate or avoid things, we overbuild it in our minds. Like mm-hmm. that it's going to be this awful, terrible thing. So true. Um, you know, whereas I think sometimes you can use just as a way to kind of minimize it a bit and say, like, look, this is not that big a deal. Like, I just need to get started or I just need to do 20 minutes worth and then that will probably be enough. Or I just need to start and then I'll see how I feel once I'm rolling with it. Yeah, I think, you know, for for someone who was diagnosed as myself, who was diagnosed uh, so late, I think that word just has so much kind of emotional kind of baggage to it 
that you know even when I hear you saying it, it in and the the intention I totally understand and it makes sense but there's this like kind of deeper seated you know connection to that um, of you know all through growing up being you know told well you know just do this or just do that it's not like it's not that hard and it really was that hard so I think that's we have to find that another word for that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, coming up with some, I think, well, I mean, this is that whole, you know, therapy psychology thing. It's mm-hmm. that, you know, kind of paying attention to some of the words that you use and paying attention to the things that you tell yourself and the things that other people pay, you know, tell you. And, you know, how do you understand that? And what what meaning do you make of it? Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, kind of referring back to the example that you gave, you know, at least over time, although perhaps not at the time, you know, what you've come to realize is that this assistant principal treated you badly, not because you did bad or were bad entirely, but because this guy needed to flex his muscles and show how powerful he was, that, you know, his bad behavior towards you was for his self-serving needs, not necessarily because you deserved it or not for your benefit, you know? Sure, um, sure. And, you know, and I always try to look in those situations and say, okay, what can I learn uh, from that? And, you know, for me, it was I realized that that I wasn't as I didn't appreciate how political schools uh, were. I think I was very idealistic, which I think is, is something that, that can be very common with ADHD. And the other thing that I learned from it was mindfulness-based meditation, because mm. getting fired from an internship when you have a semester to graduate and you're trying to find another one, I experienced anxiety like I had never experienced before. Well, I am sure you did. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, you know, I always try to find the, the, the silver lining, try to, you know, because crap happens all the time that that doesn't happen for any good reason so you know i'm i'm not the type of person that says you know everything happens for a reason that's just not that's just not my Mm -hmm. belief system my belief system says okay so what meaning can we create out of the things that happen right yes exactly that's how i feel as well so you know i wanted to to kind of um transition a little bit to uh um, some other issues of psychology you know i've um, we were talking before um, we started the call about uh, the psychology of medication, and this is something that I really just love how you talk about because you're very kind of direct about it. And we always hear, you know, in the ADHD uh, kind of world about, you know, this. We know that there's so much misinformation out there. There's so much fear about medication out there. Um, with this, you know, new book that I don't even really want to mention the name of, but you know, about that. That's like a. I don't even know if it was on the New York Times seller list. But the whole myth of ADHD, just this whole notion that it's something that's made up. And so we have this fear about medication. And, you know, it's, I think you say it so eloquently, just the fear is based on not understanding it. Um, so, you know, there's a difference between the the not being able to tolerate medication, because there are some people who truly can't tolerate medication, versus not being able to tolerate the idea of medication. Right. So, you know, what do you say to, to people um, who maybe haven't heard you talk about this before? So what's your kind of like maybe one or two minute um, kind of elevator speech about, you know, the, the notion of just consider medication? You know, I think a lot of the a lot of the people who are really 
anti-medication. Um, are often it's based on inaccurate information or ideas about either ADHD or about medication in terms of the potential risks or side effects versus the benefits. So, um, but I think it's important if you're going to talk about the choice to take medication or not, just like if you're going to talk about lots of other topics, I think it's important to be clear what are facts versus what are opinions. So, you know, for example, if someone says as a fact that, you know, ADHD medications are really dangerous, like lots of people get addicted and and killed by medication, that factually, that is an incorrect statement. Like the research does not support that as a correct statement. In fact, the research supports the opposite. Right. That, you know, the medications have a, a very clear and long track record of being generally quite safe for most people if prescribed appropriately and if taken appropriately. Now, if you're, you know, crushing up and snorting 10 Adderalls, right. like that's not a problem with Adderall. That's that you shouldn't crush and snort, right. you know, medication. Like, let's be clear about the fault here. Um so, you know, there's incorrect information um, or that they take opinions and, and believe them to be facts. So if the opinion is, you know, I don't like the idea of taking medication for myself, I would rather do other things instead. That's an opinion. And that's fine. We are all welcome to have our opinions. But let's be clear that that is a personal opinion that you hold mm-hmm. and that that doesn't necessarily apply to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Whenever I get, and this is especially more so with a parent who's concerned about medicating their kid, um, you know, whether they're in my office and they're paying me to be there or they're at a presentation that they took time out of their busy life to attend, um, you know, whenever I hear this thing of like, you know, I don't want to put my kid on medication, my response is usually some variant of this, which is, you know, I don't like the idea of kids on medication either. You know what I like much less than the idea of kids on medication is I don't like all the reasons that brought you here in the first place. I don't like your kid struggling in school. I don't like your kid beginning to doubt himself as someone who's capable of learning. I don't like your kid getting in trouble by teachers, you know, frequently and feeling bad about himself, self-esteem, or bad about teachers or bad about school. I don't like the idea of kids who are doing badly in school are more likely to get into, you know, all that sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of stuff that parents of teenagers stay awake at night worrying about. I don't like the idea of folks with untreated ADHD being more likely to have car accidents. I don't like the additional struggles that come in marital relationships or romantic relationships from untreated ADHD. I don't like all of the statistics that show all the many, many, many ways that ADHD makes somebody's life harder. So if what we're talking about here is my kid isn't going to be hungry for lunch versus, you know, how, what grades are they getting and how do they feel about themselves as a learner and how does this apply to the rest of his life going forward? For me, this is a very short conversation. You know, so I think that if we're going to talk about the risks and side effects of taking ADHD medication, we also have to talk about the risks and side effects of not medicating. And, you know, if someone had diabetes and we're talking about, you know, taking insulin or something, you know, 
we're not going to have a long conversation about that. But somehow the psych stuff is treated different. And ADHD and ADHD medication in particular is really treated different. And I think it's it's, it's an arbitrary double standard. Yes, it, it is. And, you know, part of the my kind of mission and goal behind this show is to, you know, you know, do my take my role in, in kind of chipping away at some of the stigma. Um, you know, to, to show people that, yes, you can be successful, still have challenges, and it's okay to talk about them, that we don't have to be, you know, shamed and hidden in corners somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be that, that round peg in the square hole. You know, that, um, you know, and one of the, the things that I think is um, really frustrating for me, and, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to, to kind of verbalize this in a way that can maybe get some traction is, you know, I think about the idea that, you know, it's it's federal law for any building uh, that that um, I think either does business or gets any kind of money that they put in a ramp for mm-hmm. handicap accessibility. OK, now we know that um, everybody can go up the ramp, but only a few people actually need it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're not going to tell someone who maybe is going into a, a, a physical therapy clinic who can't walk up the, the uh, stairs to just, you know, well, get up the stairs and then you can get your physical therapy. Right. That'd be absurd. Right. So when I think about, you know, as a, as a person with ADHD who, you know, when we understand a lot of the, the core challenges, the planning, the organizing, the, the, the follow through, um, the remembering, all, all these areas that are challenging. And then when you look at and break down the steps that are required to get our medication filled, mm-hmm. it's to me, it's like because of the, the few bad apples who do decide to snort the medication and sell it. And there are the people that do that. Yes, there are. Is it as wide and, and vast of a problem as people think it is? No. I mean, the, the research shows that it's not. So, you know, it's people are going to take advantage of things. Just, you know, are we going to get mad at someone who doesn't need to use the ramp? Oh, I, I, my, my timer's going off. Whoops. <laughs> we even made a joke. I even talked about that before we hit record. Oh, so I, we, I, my goal was half an hour and I didn't even, you know what? I didn't even think, you know, I should probably should set a timer that doesn't have an alarm. It never even crossed my mind. Um, <laughs> well, so that, that's kind of giving us some focus because I think we have about 10 minutes left. <laughs> right. Okay. So that was kind of my, my little kind of rant about, you know, I just think that the because of the class of medication it is, you know, I want to be able to call my doctor and ask him to call in, in a refill. And because mm-hmm. of the class of medication it is, I can't. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it, I hate saying it's not fair, but it's not fair. Mm-hmm. So that's that. And maybe that's a whole other conversation and something that we can, you know, talk right. about more in the future. So the next thing I wanted to, to talk to you about is, you know, one of the things that um, I share with my listeners is that sleep is one of my biggest challenges. The challenge for me is not so much of getting, uh, of sleeping itself, because once I get to sleep, I do okay. It's, it's stopping. It's transitioning. It's you know stopping that project at work. It's that you know turning the the phone off. It's that not making that one last doing that one last project. So and I you know I was listening to a podcast by uh, by Michael Hyatt uh, uh, called This Is Your Life. It's a really good uh, podcast about kind of inspirational leadership. And he, you know, I was listening to something and I had an aha moment listening to one of his podcasts that I actually, I was in the shower and I was listening to this and I turned the shower off to write something down because it was, it was so profound to me. 
And it was the in his what he said was um, productivity is not about time management; it's about energy management. Right. And it was like, oh my gosh, that was like the aha. Because there are times, because I, I have all the time management skills. I know how to do it. It's doing it is what I sometimes have a hard time with. And the key variable for me is my sleep, is what's my energy level at? You know, what? sometimes I have those that to-do lists that I can just nail and just and do it like, like it's, it's easy. There's other times I look at it and it's like it feels like the hardest thing to, that I need to accomplish and the key variable is my energy level, which has to do with my sleep. Right. So, all right, Dr. Tuckman, help me out. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like, I, I am often talking about sleep with clients or as part of presentations on whatever the topic is. Um, and, it, I mean, you know, Michael Hyatt's absolutely right. It is about energy management. And that's about sleep, it's about exercise, and it's about diet or, you know, what I call all the boring New Year's resolution stuff, you know, <laughs> and it is boring, but but it's important because, you know, it, that thing of like staying up late so you can get more done, there's definitely a point of diminishing returns tonight, but there's definitely losses than tomorrow, that if you're tired tomorrow, you're less productive for the entire day. Not to mention probably less fun to be around. So, um, so yeah, and you know, and often for a lot of folks with ADHD, it's it's that kind of turning it all off and getting into bed on time. Uh, now, for some people, once they're in bed, it's hard to actually fall asleep. But if you're not in bed in the first place, then you know, like, ain't nothing happening. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that you know, so. What I recommend, or one of the, not that it's one solution, but one of the things I recommend is that it's always easier to not start something than it is to stop it. Right. And so, so here's what I'll say to that. So, as you know, since I, this is what I do professionally, I, part of the challenge is I'm, it's like I'm so self aware that it's like I, I have, I think, a, a belief that you know I know all the strategies to do and and I'm not successful with them that I don't know what will work and I you know I've tried all these creative systems I've tried accountability which does work sometimes um, you know I was actually talking yesterday with a, a mutual friend of ours uh, Deb um, now I'm feeling bad because I'm uh, my last name yes yes and um, so I was talking with her about sleep and one of the things that she said to me that I thought was kind of an interesting, um, almost um, uh, paradoxical uh, uh, suggestion, because I'm always talking to people about, you know, the best way to make big progress in your goals is to go slowly and, and take small steps. And what she was suggesting, which, you know, I mean, kind of it's been stirring around in my mind since we talked about it last night, was the idea of, you know, try to have five perfect nights. And so we we're talking about, you know, what are the things that we have to do to get myself to bed on time? So what time do I need to leave my office by? What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, all those things. And it was just a different perspective. And it was, you know, I don't know if that's going to work, but it's something that, that is, a, is a newer perspective. So I don't know. It's a, it, what do you, if I were to be your, your client, you know, being who I am, what you know about me, what are some of the things that you might suggest? Well, I think, you know, I would start with trying to figure out with you, you know, using maybe the last some nights as an example, um, what 
why is it that you're not getting into bed earlier? Like what is happening instead? And specifically, what are those kind of choice point moments? You know, where like, let's say grabbing your iPad and then getting stuck on it because too much time goes by. It's that choice to grab the iPad. That's your big choice point. So what is it though when I say, you know, so I'm totally aware of that. And I will even say to myself, don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, how uh, Russell Barkley says in, in one of his books, you know, say the action and say it out loud. Right. You know, so I'll really say to myself, don't do it. And it's it really feels so neurological. It feels like my mind wants to do one thing and my body does something else. Mm-hmm. It's like it just feels like complete brake failure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I can certainly appreciate that. So, you know, I think... In that kind of situation, maybe what it comes down to is um, sort of just, I don't know, maybe it's that the point of intervention is not at that moment, but it's a bit earlier to take your iPad and put it away somewhere else. So it's not even there in the first place. You know, if Mm -hmm. in that moment at, let's say, 10 o'clock at night or whatever, if at that moment you're not able to muster the willpower to resist it, then it means there's some earlier point where you need to you know, do the thing that's going to set you up to make a better choice in that moment. So are you telling me that in the the three minutes that I'm giving you to solve my sleep problems, you can't do it? Right, right. (laughs) Might take a little more detail than this. Oh, man, I need all the help I can get. Right. Um, But I think it it is important with these to have this idea of persistence. mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to try something. And if it works, that's awesome. And that's going to tell me some things. But if it totally fails... That's awesome too, because now now I need I want to figure out why did it not work, mm-hmm. um, and maybe parts of it work good, but then there's some other things that that I also need to do, and you got to put it all together to have it work out well, mm-hmm. you know. So like, just as a simple example, if you're looking to eat healthier food, one of the ways to do it is to get some of the unhealthy stuff out of your life or out of your kitchen, but if you're not eating well during the if you're not eating enough during the day and then you're starving like that the starving is the setup to then make bad food choices let's say so getting the junk out of the kitchen is good but then also maybe something is you got to snack a little bit more during the day you know what i mean so just as a simple example so like in terms of the sleep thing there's probably multiple things going into that so you know be persistent about it be willing to try stuff and whether it works or doesn't work look at it as a learning opportunity and if you can learn something from it then you're another step closer to really kind of figuring it out and it's you know it's that kind of aa thing of get back on the horse like Mm -hmm. if you're doing good for a while and then you blow it for a while you know, don't throw another good night after bad in like, okay, well, tonight we're starting over again. What, what do I need to do here? Yeah. Um, and that, especially if we're talking about sleep, there's a big difference between, you know, five bad nights in a week versus three or even four mm-hmm. may be a difference because there is, in terms of sleep, there's absolutely a cumulative effect um, that the more good nights you put in, the better it's going to work out. Yeah, oh, absolutely, and that's that's something that I've noticed too. And you know, for and I work really, you know, I'm my hobby in a sense is doing better, is figuring out ways to manage my ADHD better. It's it's just, it's almost my it's my automatic position of how do I do better. 
Mm-hmm. And it's the area where I get so frustrated in because I'm always thinking about the sleep. I'm trying so many different things. I track, I, I have data that I use to track my sleep every single night. Um, and it's, you know, it's those decision points, as you said, and I, I kind of like that that idea. And I've done things like that. It's the, it's it really just seems like that executive control of, you know, not starting that project, not opening the, you know, um, uh, the, the internet application, you know, those things, it's, it's like my brakes just going to have a complete failure. So, you know, um, and I was talking to Deb yesterday, we were talking about, well, maybe tweaking some medication, uh, might also be a, uh, uh, an idea. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, uh, I, I tell you once, once I figure out the sleep, you know, it's, I, I just, I just think my life will just take on a whole new kind of get to a whole new level. Right. So that's, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, I keep making progress. <laughs> you know, on average I, I used to do, um, uh, you know, go to bed 12, one o'clock or later. Um, uh, but I'm doing pretty good. Although last night I immediately made a Facebook post that I think past midnight and one of my uh, listeners called me out on it, <laughs> which I love, which actually helps me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I wanted to end the show. I know we, we're running out of time here. Um, with, I wanted to ask you a few questions that have absolutely nothing to do with ADHD. Okay. You ready? I am. Okay. Favorite color? Uh, man, I don't know. Green? Favorite band? Uh, probably Ignite. Okay. Best concert ever? Uh, oh, man. That's hard. Um, I did just see Ignite a few like last week. I definitely did not get enough sleep that night, but it was uh, it was a cool show to see. And what, what kind of music is that? Ignite is a hardcore band, so it's a little bit different. Okay. I, when I learned that you like hardcore music, I, I just thought it was so interesting because it was so paradoxical to what I imagined for some right. reason. Thundercats or He Man? Uh, he Man. Okay. Um, Nintendo or Atari? Uh, I'm old school, so I, I'm Atari. All right. What is the okay? So I kind of I'm, I'm breaking the rules. What is your most ADHD like trait? I think it's that I, I have a lot of ideas and I sometimes pursue too many of them. I can relate to that. Yes. <laughs> well, Ari, I absolutely appreciate um, your time here. I appreciate everything that you are doing. Um, you know, I, I wish we can continue this conversation, but mm-hmm. you know. We, we all have schedules that we got to try to stick to. Right. So um, will you leave us with just telling the listeners where they could reach you? Sure. Best place to find information about me and my books and podcast is adultadhdbook.com. Um, although I'd like to end with just kind of a quick story here that has a purpose kind of the, like there's a message behind, behind it that I sort of preach a lot. And so I remember when you and I met was at the Chad conference some, I don't know, four years ago or something when it was down in Atlanta. And Mm -hmm. I remember specifically because it's this, it was this really interesting thing. So there were a number of us at the Chad conference and, you know, because this is like, you go to the Chad conference to see everybody and it's, you know, a good time to kind of reconnect and whatever. So it was one evening early in the conference and we're like, what should we do? I don't know. Well, let's go to the hotel bar because it's easy, you know, and you just kind of hang out and talk. And I remember going down and there weren't really like most of the tables were taken, but there was this take, you were sitting at a table and Tara McGillicuddy from ADD classes said, Oh, that's this guy, Eric. I met him earlier. He seems like a decent guy. Let's go sit with him. Um, 
And, you know, so we did. And, like, kind of that's how we met. And we we're all kind of hanging out and whatever. And that's kind of, you know, and, and away we go. But what was interesting to me about it is that, like, here's this random thing that, like, you could as easily have been sitting up in your room. But it's like you're going to make go to the effort to fly to Atlanta for this Chad conference. You should be out and about, do, you know, like in places where you're going to meet people and opportunities are going are to come up. And, you know, so I have this saying that I use a lot, which is that things lead to things. You know, you put yourself into situations and maybe something comes of it. But definitely more things come of it if you're in a situation than if you're not. And, you know, had you been sitting in your room, kind of path of least resistance, easy thing to do, we never would have run into each other that night. Um, So it's just kind of like, so I don't know. I mean, it's just like I'm a big proponent of trying things, of being involved, doing stuff, and kind of having this idea that is kind of faith in the process, that if I put myself into situations, sometimes something will come out of some of those situations. So, you know, you never know what's going to stick, but you put yourself into it. And some of it does. Like if you're in enough places, some of them will turn out to be the right place at the right time. I I love that. Put yourself out there and, you know, that's where opportunities and growth happen. That's that's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, Ari, thank you so much. Now, you're going to be at ADA, of course, right? Of course, definitely. All right. So um, you can see both of us at the ADA conference, um, which is July 13th, the 15th. Is that right? Uh, let me look at <laughs> my book. I got too many dates in my head, man. It all I know. totally blurs. Um, actually, no, it's next week. It's Thursday the 24th to Thursday, to Sunday the 27th. Okay. All right. Hopefully that's the date that I've been putting on the promo that I have on the... uh, (laughs) Uh-oh. I I better double check that. All right. Ari Tuckman, thank you so much for being generous with your time and for all you're doing for the ADHD community. Um, We appreciate it, and uh, we will talk with you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Thanks. Podcast listeners, you have just listened to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I want to thank my guest, Ari Tuckman. I really appreciate it, Ari. Thanks a lot, and I look forward to seeing you in Florida on July 23rd, I think you said it was. Um, all that information is on my website. Guys, June 30th is the last day you can sign up online. Now, you can still sign up for the conference in person, but it's going to go up in price. So if you are thinking about going up, stop thinking and start doing. Go on to the ADA website or go to my website and find the ADA link or go to adda.adhdrewired.com and that will also take you there. I want to hear from you. Please send your emails, your thoughts, your comments. Join our Facebook page or Facebook group. We have both a page and a group, and our group is getting really active, which is really exciting. We are all holding each other accountable to specific goals, and it's just been fantastic. People are even calling me out uh, when they have noticed that I've been on Facebook later than I probably should be. So to my community, thank you guys. You're fantastic. Don't forget to go onto iTunes and click subscribe and leave a review. 
This helps other people find it. And I want to help bring ADHD Rewired back to the top of the different categories that I am in. Help make it a nice shiny object once again in the iTunes store. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate you. Last week, I was interviewed by Rye Taylor with the new podcast, Take Action Q&A. I had 10 minutes to answer listener questions about entrepreneurship and projects and stuff like that. So go check it out. Find show notes, resources, links, all that other fun stuff at my website, ADHDrewired.com. That's ADHDrewired.com. So I asked Ari, is there anything that would really surprise me about what you're doing right now? And what he said surprised me. The next hardcore books that I'm working on, it's a little bit different, is based on He-Man. Until next time.